When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have so much fun today. We're going to talk about a little bit different things than we normally talk about, because we're going to be talking with someone who works and is senior management at a large architectural firm. So we're going to be talking a lot about big business. You know, frequently we talk, we talk with people who they might be a one-person shop or they might just have a small team, but everything that works for big business works for small business too. Um, and so that's going to be what we're talking about today. So please join me in welcoming Jim Tyler to our program today. Welcome, Jim. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will jump into this. So Jim Tyler is the vice president of EAPC Architects Engineers and is in charge of business development. He has been with EAPC since 1997 and shares time in the Bismarck, St. Paul, and Phoenix offices of EAPC. He has degrees in mechanical engineering, a bachelor's degree from the University of Notre Dame, and a master's degree in, in, in administration from Central Michigan. Jim and his wife, Karen, have two children and reside in Bismarck, North Dakota. So again, Jim, welcome. Thank you very much. I really great. appreciate you having me. Well, we are going to have such a great discussion today. So one of the things I always like to, to ask my guests is tell us how they got to where they are today. And that's I'm, I'm going to love hearing your story because so many times people are at a job for a couple of years and a job for a couple of years. And we not that we're job hopping. We're just experiencing lots of things, right? You found a home back in 1997 with a company and have just been there forever. And so tell us a little bit more about how you got there and you know a little bit more about everything. Well, this is a very long story. So <laughs> I'll start. I actually grew up on the East Coast in okay. upstate New York. And uh, I was the youngest of uh, five children. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I found out early in life that I had a talent for mm -hmm. running. Okay. And I did very well mm -hmm. in uh, high school. I was state champion in the mile in New York State. Ah. Uh, I won't say what year, but it was a long time ago. Uh -huh. It got me actually a full scholarship to the University of Notre Dame to run wow. track. Wow. Uh, and that's, that is obviously a very prestigious school. So as you said, you did have a talent. 
Yes. So it, it was a, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I spent five years there, got my, um, mechanical engineering degree and I made all American twice wow. uh, in the mile and in the uh, four by 800 meter mm-hmm. relay. And then I wanted to continue my running. So mm-hmm. I decided how could I do that? And I, uh, found a recruiter for the United States air force. And he huh? said to me, you can run for the Air Force track team mm-hmm. and you can get your master's in administration. I said, I'm in. Mm-hmm. So um, what I didn't realize was he was going to uh, put me into uh, missile launch operations. And Yikes. the base I got uh, stationed to was Grand Forks, North Dakota, where Ooh. training for track and field just did not work out. But No, it's a rather limited time that you can be out and about running. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but the good news was I actually, I spent eight years mm-hmm. uh, in the Air Force in Grand Forks and I met my lovely bride mm-hmm. who is a Grand Forks native. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to stay uh, in the state. So I mm-hmm. got out of the Air Force and I started to go, uh, I started to work for a engineering firm mm-hmm. in uh, Grand Forks mm-hmm. uh, for one year. And then in 1997, I was hired by EAPC, Architects mm-hmm. Engineers. And became uh, on the partner track. I was a two-year associate, and then I became a one of the owners and partners mm-hmm. uh, in 2000. Ah, I've been I've been one of the owners uh, since uh, 2000, so 23 years mm-hmm. uh, of that. But uh, I actually, uh, the president at the time, he decided that we should start an office in Fargo, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So. The current president and I decided to move our families from Grand Forks to Fargo. At the time, EAPC only had one office and 40 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started that office in uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. Then um, we were hoping that was going to be our final destination. But my wife uh, actually got appointed by uh, then Governor uh, John Hoven, who's now the senator from mm-hmm. um, North Dakota. Uh, and we moved to Bismarck only after a year in Fargo. So, yeah, uh, Bismarck, yeah. Fargo, Bismarck, Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but we love, we absolutely love Bismarck. The topography is so much nicer mm-hmm. in kind of the western part of North Dakota with the Missouri River flowing mm-hmm. through. Um, but we grew this office uh, in Bismarck and mm-hmm. then we started these other offices. So, our, our main offices now, in terms of um, larger populations, mm-hmm. obviously, is a St. Paul office. Mm-hmm. And our Phoenix office, which we opened five years ago, okay. and uh, I was instrumental in starting both of those offices, and love the people mm-hmm. uh, down there. Uh, so that's kind of how I got to uh, uh, this point. So I love it. Yeah. Well, now I'm assuming the firm does commercial, but does it do commercial and residential, or primarily just commercial? We do primarily uh, commercial. The, okay. the res- residential stuff that we do is more on the multifamily housing, okay. you know, apartments. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we are a commercial uh, mm-hmm. architectural and engineering firm. We we do both architecture and uh, all the engineering disciplines. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, it's 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 interesting because, as I said, you know, I I don't often talk to people at large firms, but you know, one of the things, and and we were talking about this before the the program started. How many employees do you have? We have one hundred and eighty five employees company okay. currently. So okay. Okay, so pretty good size, um, and uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, I looked at your website. You've got some great projects and, and things that you have worked on. So, you know, I mentioned in the bio 
that you're in charge of business development. Tell us more about that. Because as I said, what happens with a big business also works for small business. So how do you go about business development? So business development, you know, I, I actually had done an internal seminar uh, for our young professionals on our staff mm-hmm. to talk about business development. Mm-hmm. And really, the first thing I do is I like to kind of immerse myself in the market that we're going after. Okay. So I'll give you an example for Phoenix. Um, we decided we wanted to start an office down there because they have a really robust uh, healthcare uh, healthcare systems down oh, there, so mm-hmm. many healthcare systems, and we mm-hmm. that's one of our strongest sectors. Probably sixty mm-hmm. percent of our work is healthcare, okay, uh, hospitals, clinics, mm-hmm. uh, replacements. So you get to know the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain insertion points in the market. So we get to know the general contractors that build Mm -hmm. the hospitals and clinics, and they introduce us to the facilities and the, the leadership of all the different healthcare organizations. We talk to equipment suppliers, Mm -hmm. uh, other consultants. Uh, So we really try to understand uh, the players Mm -hmm. and the projects and really get to know the area. So once we have that, um, we really then start setting up those meetings with the players, the, mm-hmm. the facilities managers, the the uh, C-suite of these uh, hospital um, mm-hmm. hospitals that we work with, and then we basically find out, you know, what their what the procedure is for for hiring architects. Okay. You know, some have uh, preferred architect lists that you have to get on, so you mm-hmm. go through the process of sending them your qualifications mm-hmm. and maybe even an interview and then they decide okay yeah we want you to you know start working on some of our 5 million dollar and under projects mm-hmm. or maybe maybe they like you well enough and you're big enough to handle larger projects mm-hmm. so uh, once you get on their lists then it's really um you respond to requests for proposals and uh you know if your if your proposal is accepted then you might get a, mm-hmm. a lab model or a new clinic mm-hmm. So that's sort of the process in in uh, kind of a brief. Okay. You know, I, I always ask my guests and, and their staff for things you want to make sure you talk about. And one of the things that came up with, with you was long-term client relationships. And mm-hmm. that piqued my interest because my assumption was you're kind of a one and done you know, type of thing. You build the building, then you go on to, to do something else. So, you know, talk to us about long-term client relationships. So- in healthcare, especially, I don't know if you've ever visited a, a hospital. There's almost always a construction project, going right? Mm-hmm. They're uh, always doing something. That's right. you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're always doing something because they have to compete mm-hmm. with each other, and they they want the best, <clears throat> newest uh, equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, really, it, once we establish a client, mm-hmm. we really uh, we're there for the long haul. What mm-hmm. whatever projects come down the pike, and they certainly work with other architects mm-hmm. too, but. You want to be one of their go-to uh, people. So mm-hmm. we really work hard in trying to do a great job satisfying okay. our clients. And mm-hmm. I found one of the most important things that we can do is just communicate with them. A lot of mm-hmm. times you'll you'll have a client that, you know, maybe they'll send an email mm-hmm. or they'll, they'll uh, call you and leave a voicemail. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some uh, firms that maybe... They don't respond soon, or they don't call back, mm-hmm. and that that's irritating to a mm-hmm. client. Well, and especially when, we say, when they're spending the amount of money that 
someone right. would be spending with an architectural right. firm. Mm -hmm. So what I try to get across to my young project managers is mm -hmm. I don't care if you don't if you don't have an answer to their question, you need to respond immediately right. just to say, I got your message. We're looking into it. We'll get back to you at such and such right. a time. So even that, even if sometimes maybe your performance, maybe you make some errors, mm -hmm. but if you're communicating with that client um, right away, mm -hmm. they sometimes just can, they might overlook some of those mm -hmm. things because they feel like they're being taken care of. They're being, right. they're being listened to or mm -hmm. right. being heard, I should say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's so funny, as you said, you know, when, when, um, even when you make mistakes and, and to me, that's when you absolutely should be communicating to them to say, I'm sorry, this happened. Here's how we're going to fix it. Right. Um, you know, you're not pointing fingers. You're not saying, well, you didn't respond to my emails. And, you know, it's just, okay, here's, and, and, you know, and, and I discovered that many, many years ago, many, many, you probably when you were in track, right. Um, uh, when, um, I worked for a company and we designed computer software, but it, uh, primarily men and the there was one other woman there and then myself and i you know she was big on tattling on me you know the and and it was like really uh you know now i was young i was in my 20s um but i had learned very early on that if i made a mistake i you know i i fessed up to it and so you know i you know, whenever something happened and let's be honest, you know, not to brag, but I didn't make too many mistakes. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad, but I immediately went to the president or, you know, whoever I needed to and said, this happened. Here's what I have done to fix it. You know? And, and so the funny thing was then by the time she tattled, it already had been taken care of. And it, all it did was make her look bad, but you know, it is one of those things where he, he respected me because I immediately said, here is what has happened. And again, I didn't point fingers. I didn't say so-and-so didn't get me the information or whatever. It was just, here is what happened. And here are the steps I have taken to fix it. Because, you know, those were small projects. You're working on something pretty good size, right? Where yep. sometimes a mistake can have lots of zeros after it. And so you want to make sure that they know that hopefully it's never going to happen again. I mean, that's the big part. And, you know, but, but it really is that, you know, step up, take responsibility, don't point fingers. Yep. And, and that leads to better relationships. Yeah. Well, and even before you get to that point, when I always harp on our project managers to say, you know, first you need to educate your client. You mm -hmm. need to, you need to tell them. Right. The, the ramifications of certain things like mm -hmm. when we we have certain design processes where we have a schematic design which mm -hmm. is very rudimentary then we go to design development mm -hmm. and put together the actual design mm -hmm. so we, we need to t communicate with that client to say look our goal is to have a set floor plan at this stage mm -hmm. and no changes after that right but if there are changes mm -hmm. these are the ramifications right. It mm -hmm. might cost a little more timeline. It, yeah. It, it mm -hmm. take a little longer. Mm -hmm. So if you educate them up front mm -hmm. to know this is, these are the kinds of things right. that will happen during the process. Mm -hmm. And some of them are more savvy than others. Obviously mm -hmm. some of these people have done, you know, right. hundreds of projects, mm -hmm. but others, maybe mm -hmm. not, mm -hmm. but if you educate them up front as to what the expectations are, what they can expect, then there's no surprises and mm -hmm. no one likes surprises unless it's a birthday, but right. <laughs> so uh, we really try to educate the client mm -hmm. and then just communicate, communicate, mm -hmm. communicate. That's 
that's the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I've also discovered that for important things, you communicate in writing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and because it is easy for mistakes to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people there are reasons why we have contracts, even if it's a small thing, um, you know, and, and that contract needs to explain for X number of dollars, we do A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And if you want D, E, and F, that will cost you this, or the timeline expands by this, or or whatever it is. Um, because I've always discovered, and you know, since the beginning of my career, uh, you know, now I'm in in marketing, but we, you know, we always had clients and and things that we called scope creep, where you know it was, ooh, we, we saw this, thing. yes, we saw this. It looks cool. Can't we have it too? Well, yes, you can. However, <laughs> you know, and sometimes you have to tell them it, it just won't work. I mean, you know, and and um, especially I'm assuming with architecture, if they say, "Hey, you know, we want the," you're like, "No, the building cannot have a, a, a nine-hole golf course on top of it. It's just not going to happen, right?" Um, but um, but but the, your clients are always looking at their competitors and other things. And and they're, and so that's where that scope creep comes in is they're like, Ooh, I just saw X, Y, Z. Right. Yeah. So, and it's <clears throat> interesting you bring that up because that is a major issue mm-hmm. is scope creep in our right. business because, mm-hmm. you know, people, you, a lot of times you'll have a building committee, mm-hmm. you know, multiple people, mm-hmm. you know, eight, 10 people, and mm-hmm. they all have kind of their wish list, mm-hmm. um, their want list. Um, their needs list. Right. What we tell them is what you need. That's that's number one. Yes. Mm-hmm. What you want and what you hope for or wish mm-hmm. you had. Those are those extras that, mm-hmm. if you have enough money, certainly. Mm-hmm. But you need to take care of the things you need mm-hmm. first. And so, right. yeah, guarding against scope creep is is one of the mm-hmm. biggest challenges because you know you don't want to say no. I mean, we we mm-hmm. have to be tactful about it. You know, it's right. like going well. The budget is this and. Mm-hmm. We do that, you need to come up with mm-hmm. some more money, and we're going to mm-hmm. have, have a bigger building. Right. So right. you just have to, you know, be honest with them, but you know, try to be tactful. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it, I'm I'm one of those people that watches a lot of HGTV, right? And mm-hmm. so one of the things that they frequently do is somebody will say, "We want this," and they'll say, "Okay," but that means you don't get that. Right. And and so those conversations are are important to have also to say, okay, you know, you decided you wanted a five-story atrium. We were going to do a three-story building. <laughs> so what are we going to do here? You know, what's what are we going to communicate? Right. Um, you know, and, and I would imagine you do have a lot of that. And then the other thing is these are not short-term projects. So you probably have to deal with staff turnover. You know, you start with one person, one group of people. And through matriculation, you end up with totally different people at the end who have their own wants, needs. And that's where you're having things in writing says, no, no, (laughs) your predecessor agreed to the three-story building, not the five-story atrium. Yeah. And I tell you what, that that is so true about the length of projects. Mm -hmm. I, I can remember we... One of our largest projects, it wasn't in the healthcare sector, but it was in our industrial sector. And we did uh, the HVAC systems for a cold-fired power plant, brand new power plant Ooh. in Gillette, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine a $2 billion power mm-hmm. plant, how long that took to... In literally the middle of nowhere. 
Right. And so <laughs> we, we started design on that. Oh, gosh, I, I don't want to get the dates wrong, but I remember one of my guys, he said, you know, Jim, I feel like I've been, the, the name of the station was Dry Fork. Mm-hmm. He said, I feel like I've been dry forking it for six years. <laughs> And, and it was true. And uh, the nice thing about our firm is, though, you know, you talk about uh, turnover. Mm-hmm. We really have had very loyal employees. Mm-hmm. Our turnover rate is probably uh, some of the lowest mm-hmm. in the industry. Uh, we just have a really good HR. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you're absolutely right about mm-hmm. the time frame a project takes from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I love about it. It's like you look at a you look at a bare piece of ground. Mm-hmm. And then five years later, right. you see this beautiful building, mm-hmm. the landscaping, and uh, it's just, uh, it's very rewarding to mm-hmm. drive around and say, you know, EAPC. We did that. We did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Right. You know, and, and I was looking on your website and I was, was very impressed with it. And especially because the firm has been around for. 50 years, something like that. We were, we started in 1967 in okay. Grand Falls, North Dakota. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And obviously things have changed and, and, you know, with all sorts of things, technology, materials, um, you know, we've, we've now gone to a lot of solar, a lot of other things. And one of the things that, that you focus on on your website is sustainability, which I think is something that so many people are now interested in. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about sustainability. So it's it's really, it's been around a while, mm-hmm. uh, sustainability, but it kind of ebbs and flows really with the cost of energy. Right. And and that's really, um, when we talk about sustainability, it's it's a couple of things. It's, it's about uh, energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's about uh, building materials and um using things maybe recyclables or, mm-hmm. or things like that and just being uh, cognizant of the environment mm-hmm. uh, but for instance we we do a lot of work for indian health services and they have a very mm-hmm. strict they have very strict guidelines right. in mm-hmm. terms of uh being what what's called lead certified and mm-hmm. that's yes. basically mm-hmm. a, a building that is uh it you're just you're just using re- just recycling mm-hmm recyclable materials you're you're using energy efficient mm-hmm. systems whether it's your mechanical systems mm-hmm. or your building envelope with windows walls roof mm-hmm. just trying to make sure they're uh they're um they're just energy efficient right so really that's our goal is to give our clients the most energy efficient mm-hmm. build we can because they're spending money on a monthly basis mm-hmm. on, on their utilities mm-hmm. so what better way to to kind of control those costs is to mm-hmm. design your building just you know airtight and uh, just uh, using just the the most efficient mm-hmm. mechanical systems you can. Right. So. You know, and when we go in buildings and and see the the lead certification symbol, you know, we know, hey, this is this is you know a building that people really took the time to think about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and clearly you can't always do some of the things, you know, again, the wish list and the want list, uh, you know, somebody might say, Hey, we want solar. Well, do you live somewhere where solar is where you have enough sunshine? I mean, I'm from Denver. Solar works really well in Denver because there's so many sunny days there. Yeah. I'm going to Seattle in a couple of weeks. Solar's not as big there. <laughs> right. um, or, you know, there's, there's obviously different ways where you can do things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's, 
I love that people are really looking at that. And then, um, you know, and, and, and also knowing, you know, it might be a, a bigger initial upfront cost, but it will pay out over a longer period of time. Right. Exactly. So what are some other, I'm just interested, you know, since you've been with the firm since 97, what are some of the other trends that you have seen that have, have really come about? Well, so it's interesting because we we actually uh, we have five sectors mm-hmm. uh, at EAPC. We have uh, healthcare, as, as I mentioned, it's okay. our most robust, and we've we've actually been doing healthcare since the beginning of the mm-hmm. firm. Our first mm-hmm. client in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, was then United Hospital. Now it's Altru Hospital, okay. but that was our first client, mm-hmm. and we were just an engineering firm back then. Mm. Um, and so we added architects, I think three years after that and became mm-hmm. a full service architectural engineering firm. Um, so healthcare is a big sector of ours, um, higher education, you know, mm. we do a lot of work for mm-hmm. the higher education institutions around the region, uh, K through 12 education, mm-hmm. other big one. Um, and we also, as I mentioned, we have the industrial, um, uh, sector where mm-hmm. we do power plant mm-hmm. work, food processing. Um, and then um, we also have a civic group, which mm. does fire stations, police okay. stations, mm-hmm. things like that. So in terms of trends, I feel like uh, they're mostly, they're really prevalent in, in healthcare. You know, the, the, the new trends in terms of just the, the equipment that mm-hmm. they have, so the right. MRIs, the CT mm-hmm. scans, linear accelerators. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is, uh, it's like almost ever changing. So mm-hmm. you're, trying to keep up with the Joneses mm-hmm. in terms of your, so we do a, a ton of equipment replacements mm. um, and also trends on uh, with COVID that mm-hmm. changed a lot of things. I uh, bet. Mm-hmm. You know, we, there, there's a lot of telemedicine now. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, uh, they're trying to open up spaces more. So people aren't necessarily, you know, congregated. Right. To, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they're they're really doing a nice job of you know remote work, remote medicine, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So there's a lot of lot of things we have to take into consideration there. And and really, it's it's helped our firm. Mm-hmm. The trend the trend of like the Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our favorite platform is Teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we have. You know, it was it was funny because right before COVID started, we had a strategic planner that said you really need to start using Teams, and we were kind of. No, went, no, we just get together when we need yeah. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but then it was it was like a light switch mm-hmm. when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Everybody just started using Teams, and right. now that's. I mean, we are exclusively. I mean, we mm-hmm. do because we're in so many different offices. Mm-hmm. We collaborate, uh, so we use Teams on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Mondays, I have, I think, six Teams meetings that wow. are just scheduled mm-hmm. every Monday. Um, and it really has helped us um, in other geographic areas because mm-hmm. maybe we've got our expert on MRIs is in our St. Paul office, but we've mm-hmm. got a project in Phoenix. Okay. We'll always have to be there as long as we have mm-hmm. people there that can do, you know, right. sort of mm-hmm. called site work. Mm-hmm. If the expertise is in St. Paul, mm-hmm. then we can we can do and that. reachable just like that right. mm-hmm. without the expense of of mm-hmm. the travel. So that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest trend we've seen is mm-hmm. the things that have come from from uh, COVID mm-hmm. and just have to deal with with uh, those sorts of things. So. Right. Well, speaking of COVID, you know when when we were in the throes of it, mm-hmm. and did you guys do a lot of work in 
I don't want to call it retrofitting, but, and I know you're an architectural firm, but you are engineering also in, in going back and, uh, you know, like I, I was, I was, it was a brewery that we were in over the weekend and they had this gigantic sign that talked about how often the air was scrubbed and, and, and I'm thinking it's a brewery, but it, you know, but companies did do that. They, they really changed their air filtration systems, all sorts of things. Did you find that that was something that at least for, you know, a little period of time you guys ended up doing? It was huge. Uh, there was two sectors really that uh, that it affected the most. Um, our education sector, like our K through mm-hmm. twelve, mm-hmm. I mean, we were we were going to all the schools that we've worked with in the area and right. others, and we were actually putting on seminars about mm-hmm. how they can put up, you know, even plexiglass mm-hmm. and how their uh, air systems, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. filtration or um, ionization. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, increasing the the air exchange. Mm-hmm. So we we actually did. We put on seminars of mm. these facilities could mm-hmm. do it. If they wanted us to do it, we could mm-hmm. come in and and do it. And healthcare, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the filtration is even bigger deal in right. health, obviously. Mm-hmm. But also, just setting up, um, turning in maybe a, a section of the hospital mm-hmm. into a COVID unit. So right. There are certain things you need to do to isolate those mm-hmm. patients. And yeah, you um, couldn't have just the, the big room triage. They right. had to be isolated. Right. So and then the air, the air mm-hmm. um, pressurization is mm-hmm. the big thing there. So, yeah, those two sectors, we really um, we really had to make some um, modifications. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that kept us kind of kept us afloat. during mm-hmm. that. Um, so right, because uh, the building stopped. I mean, yeah. to, to to some degree. I mean, clearly, if it was something that was critical, um, then then it continued. But if it's say you know you you mentioned that you did apartment buildings, well, they probably stopped working on those for a while. <laughs> yeah. So we we did a lot of things, uh, and you know the the actually the government was very helpful in terms mm-hmm. of the PPP loans that that uh, were out there. So right, because you were critical. Um, I'm assuming for many yeah. of the things that you do. Right. So it was it was. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty mm-hmm. crazy, but yeah, we we got through it. And as I say, we're we're as uh, large as we've been. Mm-hmm. One hundred eighty-five is the mm-hmm. is the largest since I've been with the organization. So we've we've really uh, we came through it mm-hmm. strong. It's it's a little uh, it's there's a little bit of a downturn right now, but mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, you know, things will uh, will smooth out. But right. yeah, it's, it's been it's been good. Right. Well, and the industries that you're in have survived a lot of the the things, um, you know, commercial real estate is just, I don't know what's going on with it. I don't think they know what's going on with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, office space, just general office space is, is um, you know, like my husband works for a company, they own um, their own building. Um, it's a fairly large, substantial building with multiple floors, empty, because everybody is home. Mm-hmm. And, and they have said, you're staying home, you know, this is working fine, we're not going to do this. And so they've had the building up for sale. They don't even get anybody that comes and looks, um, yeah. you know, because they they don't need that. So that type of building, those buildings has, it seems like it has declined. Um, you know, obviously healthcare, they know, you know, we, we always need that. Um, and as you said, you know, those are changing. But yeah, but just general office space, that's, that's an interesting market to be in right now. Yeah. And in fact, we were glad that that's not a heavy sector mm-hmm. for us. Right. Uh, because that there there were firms 
that were, I remember at the very beginning of COVID, some of those firms that specialized in that mm -hmm. cut staff in half that right. first because it was mm -hmm. like, no one's doing anything. Mm -hmm. right. But so we were, we were fortunate in that the sectors that we work in, mm -hmm. they, they still had to, mm -hmm. you know, still had to do stuff. Right. So, Right. Yeah. But just between education and healthcare. I mean, you know, that's, you know, now education has changed a bit um, mm -hmm. because of online and, and things like that. Um, I'm uh, a member of uh, the, the Dean's Advisory Board for the University of Colorado for the College of Arts and Sciences, which is the biggest college, um, you know, uh, there. And, and we were talking about the fact that, you know, more students really want to do online learning. But they still have to have a place to go to. And there's clearly some things, I mean, you know, say chemistry, you're not going to have that stuff at home. <laughs> you know? And and so well, you shouldn't anyway. Um, and 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 but more important, things like the liberal arts, you know, music, band, choir, theater, you still have to have those physical places, um, you know, and and so again, the air filtration, that's where those things come in to make it healthy for people to be there. Which, of course, then just makes it healthy in general. You know, if we're cutting down on flu cases, on all those other things, that's a good thing. Yeah. Very true. So what are some other post-COVID trends that, that you have seen? Oh, gosh. Uh, that's a left field question. See, see, I didn't tell you in the pre-chat. There are times where I go, <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> um. Well, I, an unfortunate trend is, you know, we actually, as I mentioned, we have seen uh, sort of a slowdown. Mm -hmm. um, and the yeah, for reason, a variety of reasons. You know. Right. So COVID mm -hmm. has created sort of the supply chain issue mm -hmm. is the biggest. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. so there's there's owners that maybe they want to do something, mm -hmm. but they can't. You can't get the material to them material. or you can't even and get then, the material, period. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there we've seen just an astronomical mm -hmm. increase in building costs mm -hmm. you know we used to figure i'll just throw out some numbers like 250 dollars a square foot for you know uh um, health care now there's there are there are uh projects coming in at like a thousand dollars a square i mean it's wow it's crazy and so mm -hmm. in that situation the owners are like going god bless it we can't mm -hmm. You know, we can't, we can't do this. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've seen projects get put on hold mm -hmm. or we're, we're going to rebid it when we think the mm -hmm. environment is going to be uh, cheaper. So that's an mm -hmm. unfortunate trend is that, and it, it seems to us that now it's gotten to a point where like, okay, mm -hmm. the prices responded very quickly on the upside. You know, when mm -hmm. things got, the, right. the supply chain mm -hmm. got crazy, the prices went up, but now mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of kind of mm -hmm. coming down but we feel like it should be coming down mm -hmm. faster than right. it is you know people are making money mm -hmm. and but at some point if the projects get shut down no one's you know right. no one's mm -hmm. doing well. so that's an unfortunate trend is i i feel like we still haven't gotten back we're mm -hmm. not even close to getting back to prices pre-covid prices mm -hmm. right so. yeah the materials and and um obviously for a while it was just you, you couldn't get them places i mean you might have them um, you know, we all saw pictures of, say, the ports where all the materials were there. They were either still on the ships or they were, you know, on on land. But you couldn't get anybody there to get them out, whether it was, you know, truck or, or train. And 
you know, all of those various things. It's just, you know, and, and, and I, it, it probably was made, uh, you know, more complicated in the fact that in many cases, stuff like that, you're dealing with multiple states, which had multiple things that, you know, multiple shutdowns. I mean, here in Georgia, we opened things back up here really pretty fast. I mean, in, in May of 2020, they said, you can go back to meeting in person, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, clearly there's always lots and lots of truck traffic <clears throat> that goes through here. They loved it when, it, when COVID was shut down because they're, you know, those trucks loved that there was nobody on the roads. No um, <laughs> but, um, you know, we, you know, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so strange to, to see how, you know, everything kind of shifted around after that. And, and I think people are still, like you said, they're still trying to figure it out. You know, they were, especially if they were getting ready to build something and then thunk, COVID happened. And, and I mean, that was so weird because you went to work on Friday and Monday you were home <laughs> you know, was, um, and you were home for who knows how long. I mean, that was the other thing was nobody knew just how long it was, it was going to last. Um, but yeah, so those projects stopped, were put on hold. Obviously, you know, most companies had financial issues, which then slowed a lot of things down. But it's it's been interesting to see stuff going back up now. Um, like yeah. when we drive around here in Atlanta, it's like there wasn't a building there before. They look, there's a new building there. <laughs> um, and because, you know, when things started ramping back up, they did seem to ramp up pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, the nice thing, you know, I, speaking of squirrels, I'm going back to what we talked about, um, you know, sort of look long-term clients, but we mm-hmm. also talked about um, employees uh, being loyal, right? Mm-hmm. keeping that turnover down. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing during COVID is that, you know, we kept, we kept our employees employed and oh, I good. think appreciated mm-hmm. that. And so we've had, a, we've had quite a bit of loyalty. So one mm-hmm. of my, one of my, uh, I'm very passionate about team building and mm-hmm. about our employees. I mm-hmm. feel like they're, they're family. So, you know, we, we really try to make an, a, a working environment mm-hmm. now, especially after COVID. We do a lot of uh, remote work, so people mm-hmm. have the flexibility to mm-hmm. work from home, um, and I, I think they really they really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so like I said, I, I'm really passionate about team building mm-hmm. and, and our employees, and what we try to do is I really try to get to know these people. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you really you, you kind of ask those questions of you know, what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got something going on mm-hmm. that, you know, might be affecting their work mm-hmm. or, you know, they've got a lot on their plate. I just, I'm fascinated by people and, and what makes them tick, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give an example of a, a, a young man in, in one of our offices who, you know, he, he, he came on some hard times. He, his car was repossessed oh. and, he, he and his girlfriend had a, had a baby and he, he was taking the bus to work every day, mm-hmm. an hour, and then an hour and a half going mm-hmm. home. I mean, you know, these- That's rough. When you, mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about the the things you have in your life that you worry about, it's like, mm-hmm. you know what? Yeah. I don't, have mm-hmm. I don't have a lot to worry about. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that have a lot, a lot mm-hmm. going on in their life, a, a lot on their plate. So I feel like if you understand your people and even your clients, you, you learn about them you can more effectively communicate with them and mm-hmm. be be there for them whether mm-hmm. it's like i said whether it's an employee or or a client it's just uh, i just i love the people that we mm-hmm. have uh, at EAPC it's just a it's a great place to work and, mm-hmm. and we really have that family sort of environment and mm-hmm. that's one of our core values you know it's just like a collaboration mm-hmm. uh, and family so 
Right. What are some other secrets that you have for team building? So I'll go back to just understanding the people you have. There are certain personalities and our HR guy is fantastic. Uh, We actually have an HR department, um, two people, um, and they, they put together these, these tests of, Mm -hmm. you know, what your personality traits are and, and who works well with whom. Mm -hmm. And so if you understand people, you can sometimes, you know, you can put people in positions where they're going to succeed. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the key of team building. It's like, okay, you have to understand what this person's good at. Mm -hmm. If, if he's a great, or she's a great designer, uh, but not necessarily organized, well, you're not going to put them into a project management position. You're Mm -hmm. on the front end where they're designing the building. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you have a, maybe an introvert mm-hmm. versus an extrovert, you know, you're not going to put the introvert out in an environment where he's, he or she's doing business development or in an interview, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to put them in a situation where they're comfortable. Maybe they're comfortable just being in mm-hmm. their cubicle, um, just grinding out mm-hmm. uh, construction documents. Uh, but you've got someone that's more extroverted, like you and me, for mm-hmm. instance, Oh um, no, we're shy. We're shy we're, people. <laughs> you put us kind of put us out in front. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're the ones that are going knocking on the doors, mm-hmm. talking to clients, uh, running meetings. Uh, you know, so I, I think team building is about understanding people mm-hmm. and putting them in positions where they'll succeed. So mm-hmm. that's that's really the secret sauce of I think in terms of what I do for, for mm-hmm. team building. And it's interesting because um my HR um guy he likes to put me in a situation where i'm i'm helping in the hiring process in, oh. in some of the offices that, mm-hmm. at least three of the offices he's always at he's like jim i'd like you to be involved in this one mm-hmm. and uh it just seems like i don't know it's you know i make people feel good mm-hmm. i'm friendly um i try to be funny and he just calls me the closer so whenever ah. whenever mm-hmm. jim is involved in uh, trying to hire someone mm-hmm. I call him the closer because we almost always get the person mm-hmm. on board. So anyway, I, I just feel like, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, understanding people and just treating them the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I so love that. So, you know, and, and it's interesting as, as you've been talking and, you know, I, I read your bio at the start, you need mm-hmm. to add a word to it. What's that? Mentor. Um, and, and I really do think because you've, you've several times, you have mentioned working with the young professionals, all of these things. So, you know, okay. So if we add the word mentor to your description, what do you see, you know, and because I think you are a mentor, you've talked about all of that, you know, why do you think it's so important to help the young professionals as as they're coming up? Well, because you want them to grow, you want them to Mm -hmm. succeed. Uh, you know, I, I look at, you know, some of my own partners that are maybe similar age or a mm-hmm. little, they, you know, there are some times where maybe they're, they're doing something that you're thinking, you know, I, I think I could help here because mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're necessarily going about it the way mm-hmm. they should. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to make them a better manager of right. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with, you know, actually, my my son works for us. He's an architect down in mm-hmm. our St. Paul office. You know, mentoring him. You know, trying to trying to not not be the helicopter parent or the mm-hmm. the snowplow parent, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, giving 
uh, him helpful hints as to, you know, you really mm-hmm. should talk to this person if you want to learn more about this, or mm-hmm. you really, if you're, you're not as busy as you want, you need to talk to this person mm-hmm. and this person in this office. So it's really, it's kind of looking around and seeing what a person needs. And a lot of times they'll actually, they'll come to you. I, mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of employees that will just ask me questions and, you know, just want to get my opinion on something. We have office managers in all of our 10 offices. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably talk to, you know, four or five of those uh, office managers, you know, on a daily basis mm-hmm. because there's a lot going on mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're managing an office of, let's say, you know, some of our offices have 20, some mm-hmm. have, 50, uh, you know, depending. So, there's there's a lot going on so you can you can kind of mentor them as well uh just how to get through mm-hmm. their how to get through their day you know so. i love it so you know my now this is purely anecdotal mm-hmm. i think we need more women in this area so you know how do we how do we make that happen i mean obviously stem programs things like that are you know they're they're building them more and more but how do we get more women and you know diversity just in general in architecture and and other you know other industries like that well i think it's happening organically now mm-hmm. i mean it it's it takes a while to catch up you know i remember mm-hmm. back when i was at at notre dame back in the 80s you know notre dame had just become um it it had become both men and women you know it's right. like oh yeah yeah it it was it was an all male school all male mm-hmm. school um and so but you could see it over the years. Now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm involved with the alumni clubs mm-hmm. and, and still connected to the, to the university and the women engineers now are, there's equal number mm-hmm. of, of men and women mm-hmm. in the engineering field. So, and, and architecture is, is going that way mm-hmm. as well. So I think it's happening organically. We're, mm-hmm. we're getting more candidates right. uh, that are, that are female. And honestly, in terms of diversity, we're at a disadvantage in North Dakota. Some of our yeah, it's just not here. as diverse as other areas. We'll just but, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we. What I've loved about Phoenix mm-hmm. is we have we have a very diverse uh, oh, mm-hmm. staff down there of twenty two mm-hmm. people, and it's it's interesting because I've I've asked the some of the folks down there. A lot of them speak. There's probably four in the office at least that speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, some others that are of Indian descent. Mm-hmm, right. From, oh, yeah. Like, Being in Phoenix, you would definitely have, have Native Americans. Well, no, this this is actually India. Oh, in- India. Uh-huh. Yes. So uh, I've been asking them to teach me certain things about ah. their language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been learning a little bit of Spanish. And so mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I think it's happening organically mm-hmm. for us, both mm-hmm. in the fact that in the fields that we're involved in, mm-hmm. there's more women that are getting into mm-hmm. those fields. And also just by the fact that our geographies are now mm-hmm. getting to larger metropolitan right. areas, you know, even St. Paul is much more diverse mm-hmm. than Bismarck, let's say, right. but Phoenix is another mm-hmm. level of diversity. And mm-hmm. we just, we absolutely love, love those mm-hmm. uh, two offices. I love spending time there. I spend a week, a month in each of those offices. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to trying to get my wife to spend more time in mm-hmm. Phoenix uh, uh, during the winter. Especially. Yeah, I was going to say, just keep telling her it's warmer, dear. It's warmer. Yes. And then in the summer, you say it's see because I can say this because I'm in Atlanta. It's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. So yeah, we just, uh, you know, I feel like, and the number of women we've hired recently mm -hmm. has really ratcheted up. I mean, I, I think the last, oh, probably the last five hires we've done this mm -hmm. year, I think four uh, mm -hmm. have been women and uh, three have been, uh, three of those women have been architects. So, nice. Nice. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're very happy. So, well, and, and when I've talked to other people, they, they, one of the things they have said is remote working has, has increased that also, because, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to physically be in Bismarck or wherever, um, you know, and, and uh, it's just, and, and I think I, you know, that is obviously a trend. It started before. I mean, you know, I remember, Oh, three or four years before COVID hit, um, I interviewed a gentleman who he called himself a digital nomad. Um, he had the RV. He was young because he had young kids, as in not school age kids. Um, and and he said, you know, he, 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 you know, they hook up the trailer and away they go. They see it partially or saw it then as a way to uh, really explore places with their kids. And I'm thinking, but they're three. They don't remember. But um, and um, but and he said, you know, at some point they were going to have to settle down because there were things that a physical school would offer as opposed to virtual learning and, and things like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, so we've had the the digital, the remote, but obviously with COVID, we all went, oh, hey, this works pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, there are times obviously where you have to be in a physical location. Um, and I think sometimes it does foster more creativity. I mean, you know, how many times, you know, has it been when you were standing up getting coffee that you came up with a good idea? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so now you just kind of have to think about it more. Like you said, you know, teams, you can, you know, pop on, you know, real quick with somebody, all these various things, you know, like we all have to be what we call zoom ready, right? At any point in time, somebody's going to say, Hey, you know, we need to zoom with you right now. So, you know, yeah. Um, but, but I think it, the, that is one of the good things that came out of COVID was we did figure out, we don't all have to be in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's, that's absolutely right. So, and it's interesting, we, we were talking about, um, uh, you know, working from home and, what I found is we actually have some some uh, staff that have you know young children, right? Mm -hmm. and, you know, and some of the guys. It's not mm -hmm. always women. In fact, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's the it's the male right. uh, employees that are are dealing with mm -hmm. the kids at home. So mm -hmm. I've got to work remote today because mm -hmm. I've got a sick kid, right? Um, and and it's actually worked really mm -hmm. well. And I think in terms of retention mm -hmm. of employees that's that's a right. huge deal when someone's mm -hmm. got that kind of flexibility mm -hmm. you don't have somebody going get in here and right or i don't have any vacation time left i don't know what to do because i have a sick child um things right. like that mm -hmm. yeah so I, I think that's that's been kind of an interesting uh thing where you've you've just got people working from home because you know daycares mm -hmm. not taking kids that are right. sick or whatever so mm -hmm. yeah it's uh we like I said, we we love our employees and and uh, they're like family to mm -hmm. us. So, right, yeah. you know, it it is uh, one of the bigger challenges that a lot of people talk to me about when we went remote was the kind of the lack of the personal touch. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you didn't always. You know, we we can when you see somebody in the hall at their desk, wherever you might pick up on. There might be something going on here, you know, yeah. and 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 it's it's much more difficult when you only see them in this little box, right? Because right. they can hide a lot of stuff in the little box, and so that was one of the things that that leaders were challenged with was 
still figuring out, and especially when mental health started being kind of an an issue with people who just, you know, I got to get out of this house. I can't, I cannot stand this anymore. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and so I think that was one of the challenges, but now we, we have, we've worked through that, especially when people can go into office, not going off, go to meetings. I mean, you know, we're almost back to normal. Um, But did you find that was a challenge when everybody, you know, all of a sudden was home? You know, I didn't, you know, it's partly because I do, I kind of like to dig in to right. mm-hmm. hang out with people. Uh, so in my case, I, I felt like I was still able mm-hmm. to do that with people. Mm-hmm. But what, what I found interesting is that very soon when we started to loosen things up mm-hmm. and we said we could have X number of people in the office, mm-hmm. you know, people were wanting to come back. Right. Oh yeah, we are social animals, even the the introverts. Mm -hmm. And we did the surveys and and Mm -hmm. we were surprised at some of the responses Mm -hmm. where people were like going, you know, would you work remote 100% of the time? And almost no one said Mm -hmm. that. They were like going, no, I like like getting into Mm -hmm. the office and just, you know, socializing and just Mm -hmm. having that that Mm -hmm. connection with people. So uh, I I think in our case, we we just, uh, we came back soon and Mm -hmm. uh, people wanted to. Right. But like I said, I I dig in. I, mm-hmm. I kind of like to know what what makes people mm-hmm. tick. So mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I sense a little bit of a mm-hmm. uh, something going on. Yeah. Are so. they a little more unkempt, or you know, right. were they are they perpetually late and they never were? Um, yeah. yeah. It's funny. I talked to a woman. I interviewed her on the program, who is an introvert and 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 a, a very large introvert. You know, she said she'd get in her little box and never come back out if if she could, um, but. She said it, it being an introvert, it was actually more of a challenge because it got easier and easier to not go out and not see people. Um, she said, you know, it, it, that that really for a lot of introverts was, you know, that because us little social critters, we found ways to get out. Right. You know, we had uh, we're at the end of a cul-de-sac. So every Saturday, everybody had, you know, we all came out and at the end of our driveways and, and would have dinners and, and all sorts of things. But for the introvert, it got easier and easier to just totally uh, get themselves out of the population. Um, And uh, so, yeah, she said it, it was, and, and they, she said for many of them, they were one of the first ones back in to the offices or going to meetings. They were like, I got to see people again. Even if I just go stand in the corner, I got to go see people again. Right. Absolutely. Well, oh my gosh, Jim, this really has been very interesting. I don't think I've ever interviewed an, um, uh, you know, an, an architect before. This is is fabulous, but you've had such great tips, especially on team building, on mentoring, you know, all of those things. As I said at the very start, what works for big business works for small business too, and um, you know, and, and it's not just business. I mean, volunteer organizations, all of those things. You know, they we all have that the same dynamics. Um, but you know, we we're down to just five minutes. Oh my gosh. So tell us a little bit more about EAPC. And, you know, we've talked about the services that they provide, but then if somebody wants to reach out to you, how would they do that? Well, the easiest way obviously is email, uh, jim.tyler at eapc.net. Oh. Uh, that's, that's kind of the best way, not mm-hmm. .com. People make that mistake. It's .net uh, or our website. As you said, you've mm-hmm. been on www.eapc.net. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the best way to to get a hold of me. But in terms of a little bit more about EAPC, you know, as I mentioned, we have ten offices. We mm-hmm. have offices in uh, Bemidji and St. Paul, Minnesota. We have a Sioux Falls office. Mm-hmm. 
all six major cities in North Dakota we cover, uh, Grand Forks, Fargo, Minot, Bismarck, Williston, mm -hmm. and Dickinson. And then our, our office in, in Phoenix. Uh, and uh, did I say Sioux Falls, South Dakota? I think so. But that's yeah. all right. We can say it twice. Because it, yeah. it's twice as nice, right? <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, those fastest growing offices are the big metro areas like mm -hmm. Phoenix and, and St. Paul. And uh, and a plug for our, our health care, uh, mm -hmm. our five sectors, you know, healthcare care is what we, we specialize mm -hmm. in. Uh, also K-12 education, higher education, mm -hmm. uh, and industrial. So we're... Uh, 185 people strong. Um, and we talk about team building. We went from, as I mentioned early on, when I was first starting with the firm, we had mm -hmm. 40 people, 40 people in one office. Mm -hmm. And we built a team of 185 and 10 offices in, mm -hmm. in many years. So uh, very proud of that. And uh, we're just, uh, we're just thrilled. We have a, we have a great family. Um, so very cool. And I'm looking on your website, you have a variety of different uh, job opportunities, you know, so if someone is in that field, take a look, um, you know, there's, there's, and once to, you know, it, it's, it's okay. North Dakota is a good place, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and like you said, remote work is, is something yeah. that, you know, we can do more and more. Yeah, of. We have, I mean, there's probably, probably 15 at least different career fields mm -hmm. that we offer. You know, we've right. got electrical engineers, we've mm -hmm. got mechanical engineers, structural engineers, mm -hmm. architects, interior designers, mm -hmm. drafters, We've got a, a HR department. We have right. marketing department. We've yeah, got a, obviously you have support staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, content writer. We have mm -hmm. a videographer, photographer, proposal writers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a great uh, uh, CFO and mm -hmm. his uh, accounting team. Mm -hmm. So we really cover uh, quite a range mm -hmm. of uh, job opportunities. So great place to great benefits. Well, so. and obviously it's a good place since you've been there since '97. Yes. <laughs> I, like I said, I love this place. Mm -hmm. uh, I, they'll probably have to drag me out of here because uh, I think our bylaws say the uh, as a partner, I have to sell my stock at 67, which is seven years from now. Mm -hmm. um, wait, I just told my age. I'm 60. Uh, <laughs> but like I said, I, I would like to work longer than that because I just mm -hmm. love it. So I love it. And again, it's EAPC.net. Correct. Perfect. I love it. Well, Jim, this really has been fascinating. Um, and, you know, I, I, I've learned, which always, you know, I hope that means the people who are listening or watching are learning also. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Actually, I have a joke. So <laughs> I was at this wonderful fundraiser this past weekend. One of, uh, one of my partners has a Down syndrome girl who's four, and we went to a Special Olympics uh, fundraiser, just absolutely terrific. And one of the MCs was a highly uh, high functioning autistic boy. And his job was to tell jokes when there was some downtime. And one of his jokes that he said, and he, he did it quite well, he just stood up and he said, what do you call a typo on a headstone? And he paused. And then he said, a grave mistake. And the crowd just erupted. It was just, uh, it was a very special night. So anyway. Oh my gosh. I love it. You know, it's, it's always fun to end with, shall we call him a dad joke? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Jim, I have been having such a great time talking with you. I've been speaking with Jim Tyler of EAPC Architects Engineers. I'm Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. 
Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.